0: Welcome to the Kini Interviews. Through this series, you will meet leading practitioners from the water sector and hear their stories. Together, we will address water challenges and discuss how best to face them. Kini is the Malaysian word for current, and this initiative promotes the flow of ideas within the water sector. Hello and welcome to today's Kinney interview. Today I'm speaking with Jonathan Mino, who works for EDA RANU, which is the principal utility servicing water in Port Moresby, Papua New Guinea. What Jonathan does is he's the head of the non revenue water department over at EDA RANU, and he's very open in this interview about some of the serious and complex challenges that he faces in his role addressing non revenue water. In particular, he speaks about the challenges of providing water to illegal settlements. And this issue of illegal settlements is something that is emerging as a real challenge that a lot of quickly urbanizing contexts in the developing countries are facing. So it's it's great that Jonathan's really open about some of those challenges, how they've gone about trying to solve those challenges, where there have been some successes and where there have been less of successes. Also, Jonathan is really open to seeing what others have been doing across the region and more broadly across the developing context in order to address some of these challenges. I think this interview with Jonathan is a really great conversation starter, and I hope that everybody who listens will take him up on his call to action to really start to engage in these dialogues, look at what works, how to solve some of these complexities, and how to move forward in addressing these these complex urban challenges that he's facing. So with that, my name is Karen Delpho and I invite you to enjoy this Kinney interview. So Jonathan, thank you so much for taking the time to speak with me about the very unique and non-revenue water challenges that you're facing in Port Moresby and PNG. Um, I'm hoping you can just start by giving a bit of background and, um, and how long you've been working with the agency and the kind of roles that you've been having.
1: Okay. Yeah. Okay. The uh, which is uh, the company I'm working, NCD uh, Water and Sewage Limited. We, uh, they, they embarked the uh, into. They started going into this NRW project back in early 2000, around 2002, and they've engaged one of these uh, British uh, consultants to come and work on the project. So they have a phase one, phase two, and phase three, so over that period So during that project I was employed, uh, I joined in So we were actually creating those BMEs I was Yes, and then it continued up till I think uh, 2010 So over that period we were basically doing pressure management and leak repair so we were not actually dealing with the other components such as uh, the water going into those village and settlements, free, and the illegal connections which is a bit high within the city. So these were the two, I think the biggest issue which is currently a biggest challenge to Erdogan in terms of uh, NLW levels. So I'm not saying that it, and saying that uh, leak, our leakage response is good it's actually from my... because I'm looking after the monitoring part the repair and maintenance has been looked after by another manager who's in charge of the operations, water operations so because of that I think it's... the agency is not there so it's it's one of our biggest struggle in terms of uh, leak repair and leak, leak, uh, repairing leaks on time so ever since we've been just maintaining it through these uh, DMA zones and we've been doing pressure management. So pressure management is one of I think, the biggest thing that's keeping us intact because our, another issue is our treatment plant which is uh, maximum capacity, the demand, so design demand. So it's, it's a bit of a challenge for us at this stage. So when we supply water into those village and settlements, we control, we press a control. So we give them water at a designated time, like most of them are like peak hours. So we open up during, in the morning, we shut up during the day and then we give them water again. So over the years, people got used to that uh, intermittent uh, supply, so the control supply. So that's something where drives the people to come to us and. Telling us no, we want to get good pressure, and because this settlement and villages, people are making business. They have rental units where. So it's difficult for us if we have to like do another pipe network. It's quite expensive. Sorry about that. Yeah, the pipe networking is quite a tedious task to do because of the unplanned. So we've come up with a bulk meter arrangement where we get all the communities together, get the bulk. Meter. Currently, we sign an MOU and supply water. That's our approach, but like I mentioned earlier, in terms of paying for water bill, the system is not working well for us at the state, so we were thinking about reviewing it and find the best way into that, addressing that, uh, especially our collection.
0: Can you speak a bit more about the history of these settlements, the way that they were set up, um, why they were set up? What okay. other infrastructure most
1: exists this, in them, the how they operate? Are, yeah. Most of the settlements are basically, you know, the people decided to leave their village or to move to the city, you know, they think that there's life in the city or they can find a good job in the city or we'll have a good life. And it's, I think it's one of the problem also is our, the town city authority, they they kind of uh, way behind in terms of their planning, and people just go, just settle on the on the land. And eventually, we found out like, okay, people tell them, "Oh, I've been here for 20 years. I've been here for 10 years. How many generations and generations?" So it's something where it's very difficult to just easily go and move. We are talking about thousands of people, so it's very difficult. So they are kind of not officially but it's kind of accepted in a way where because we have these politicians involved because these are the people now that are voting for a particular leader so in saying that the leader now fights for their right the leader now says okay i'll put some money for their power supply i'll put some money for their water supply but then this land is not like it's not their land, they're just settling there. So it's one of those biggest issues where, like, I see we should be working with the authority, but then there's no really, no control there, so settlements are just popping up. And then eventually people say it's our rights to the services, you know, and government's involvement and all this. It's one of our biggest uh, narrow-ending challenges, I say.
0: So, Effectively, you were mentioning earlier that these settlements make up up to 50 percent of the population of Ports Moresby. Um, is it 50 percent of the population or 50 percent of the water supply? And um, no, it, yeah, go on.
1: It's uh, 50 percent of water and in supply into the city the water volume. 50 percent is basically something unaccounted. We we we're not getting any revenues from it, because from the 50%, almost all, half of it go into those villages, just over half of it. Yeah.
0: And And these guys are the ones who are receiving the intermittent water supply, so they're not even getting taps on all the time. So they represent that's, a huge population, a huge proportion of the population in Port Moresby.
1: That's correct.
0: So there's, a, there's this, like, this perfect storm where you have the lack of city planning, you have people moving in to try and create opportunity in the city, um, there's yes. no, no control of where they're being settled or what's happening, then they have the voting rights, so they're electing politicians who are advocating on their behalf, and as yes. somebody who's trying to actually provide them with services, you're really just kind of being stuck between a rock and a hard place. I mean, you can't... Do it impossible work without resources. You can't build pipes That's or treatment facilities. I mean, how do you even deal with this?
1: That's true. It's a, it's a really we we thought that this MOU arrangement that we are doing was something, which is which was working for us initially. But then, you see what what happened was, we asked the community to develop uh, uh, to form a water committee type of thing where. They have their water chairman and their office bearers, you know. So, we were dealing directly with these people. But our issue is, we, Edirano, is not dealing directly by collecting money from individuals. The water committee are the ones that go in and collect money and then they come and pay. Pay Edirano for... So, it's like a creating... It's also creating like a small business opportunity for this uh, the communities, but then biggest problems we face is the money doesn't reach people are saying that oh we gave money and the water chairman is not coming up to pay the bills or the water chairman is telling us a different story so we feel that we need to come up with something which will work. It's workable, so we don't have you know, dealing with money is another issue. And then, like, when their bills are up, we go and cut their bill. And then maybe one politician might call and say, oh, go and open them, we will arrange payment and, you know, blah, blah, blah. So, these are some of the challenges. And then we have some villages. They, they are, like, landowners of the capital city. Generally, they, are, they reside within the city fringes. And then they are saying, oh, we are landowners, we'll get water free, you know, so, it's... <laughs> and they because because of them saying that their pressure is very low and it's controlled and they're also are affected. So, we're trying to tell them that, oh, water is... we educate them. So, some are... actually some group of people, villages and settlements, as approached saying, oh, we are willing to pay. We are willing to do this, can you come up with a better solution to help us so Ederano can win and we can also win in this situation but our issue here is, uh, I'll say for Ederano is also trying to finance, though we are part semi-government organization we don't get uh, support from government like every year support, we rely on what we collect from bill and all this, yeah. It, exactly because it's it's kind of a it's something like working in the like you know like this these humans they don't have proper sanitation that's another issue and they don't have proper sanitation so they have those pit big, leather big, big, big toilets and chances are you know when the water we shut them off by when water is not running through the pipe. Sometimes I'm just imagining the worst, like like, you know, those waste water or something that go into the pipe if there are leakages and there could be breakthrough of, you know, health problem. but so far nothing but, like, these are some of the fears, like, working in the industry I'm just thinking to myself that this is a big problem if we're not addressing it right. I had, I had an I've read some, something of this uh, Manila in Philippines. They went into this, uh, trying to supply water and creating a similar type of... But I haven't really gone into detail of that, but I've heard that they getting the community to be involved Manila Water or MIA, MIA, I think, it's M-I-Y-A, they were doing some projects there. That was the only one. I don't know about the Pacific region, because within the Pacific, I think uh, maybe other big utilities, I, I can look at maybe Fiji or New Caledonia, or I don't know if they are almost the same. Because our water production is around 180 million liters a day for what Which
0: is a good amount of water.
1: Yeah. Sorry?
0: Which is a decent amount of water, I mean...
1: Yeah. And 50% of it, we, we, never, we don't collect the revenue from.
0: And it sounds like the other 50% who are actually paying don't want to be paying.
1: Ugh. Yeah. It's tricky. <laughs> yes, it's like the, the 50% of the uh, consumers in Port Mosby, they're actually keeping us going.
0: Let's talk about the organization. How how large is the organization and how many people are working to address non revenue water issues?
1: Yeah, uh we, we currently under since nineteen ninety six we went into a BOT arrangement, uh, build, built, operate and transfer to upgrade our water supply system starting from the treatment plant all the way down to the distribution. So it was a twenty it's just over twenty years of uh, BOT agreement. So by 2019, that arrangement will expire. So at the moment, uh, most of the revenue that's coming into Ederano is going out to our partners, the BOT partners. So we are just getting a smaller slice of the cake every month, just enough to get us going. But uh, we're just hoping that we can get through this period and maybe look at, maybe building a new treatment plant and all this, but I keep telling the management that it's no use building a new treatment plant when we can't address the issues of non-revenue water as it is for now. So, the Adirano, the, uh, the we have just over 200 staff. Uh, we operate within NCD, uh, National Capital District, that spot be only. And We not uh, I'll say yeah just over 200. So my department is NRW department. We we have just around 40 just over 40 of us in the department, and we have uh, we have a meter replacement unit, and we have a disconnection and. Reconnection from the main, and we have a village and settlement section. And we have this presser and leakage. So, since 2015, the department was formed. So, our aim was to start attacking the illegal connections. These are people from uh, properly subdivided areas in town that are not paying for water and are receiving water illegally, or their bills are quite high. Yeah, so our the impact of it is not really seen, because we only have a small group that's actually working. We have one two teams, and like you need machines like uh, Beko and all this to, you know, you have to dig. And it's disconnection from the main, so we disconnect this properties off from the main, so they can come and pay in full, so they can get a new connection and meter install and what so this is, that unit they concentrate on that but our progress is quite slow uh, because of maybe manpower, I still, I have this belief that maybe outsourcing can work but I'm not sure if I'm right on that one, but because of our impact is not seen and the revenue, uh, our meter replacement team, they are the ones that go and replace 40 stock meters. Because we also believe that uh, some of the issues uh, with uh, some of the contributing factors of uh, non-revenue water in our system, it's to do with the stack meters and another issue is our meter reading is outsourced our BOT partner, they, they are the ones looking after our billing and they've outsourced, or so they have a contractor that goes around and read meter, which I believe that they don't really read meter, so it kind of, when we do our small like water balance thing, we kind of figure that a lot of water could be like, we're just losing it through our errors and not reading the meter correctly. So these are some of the issues where we are facing. So that small section, it's only one unit and we have like some two, three thousand plus meter that needs to be replaced and also there wasn't any like meter replacement program in place for the past how many years? Maybe two decades. So, it's difficult to have a and I was telling them that it will be like a project of its own to start systematically replace meters because we're not sure whether what's on site is really correct or with the information our partners have in their database here. So, that's how we came up with this unit but like I said, the impact is not big because it's only one unit. And then we have this village and settlement unit where they go and start working with our public relations unit to convert the existing connections, existing communities that are receiving water free into billing which has taken the for this just within these two two years we've actually did a good progress in terms of converting them into revenue. But like I said earlier, collection is our issue. And then we have this uh, presser and leakage control team where they have, we have leakage inspectors that go around and identify leaks and then report to our base room and We have this other team that's water operations that's supposed to be repairing those leaks on time, but which is also another issue where it's a big challenge for us to our the time it took for us to repair a leak. So that's what we are doing currently, because the billing is dealt with by our BOT partners. It's something where we don't know what if they are really reading the meters or they are satisfied with what they're getting or, you know, so because after they collect the bills, they get their cut of the cake and they give ours. So this is just something where over the years, we we also have like me personally working in the, in this, uh, sex. And sometimes I think like, I don't know
0: what next, what do you think? Where do you think are the key leverage points for addressing some of these critical challenges?
1: Yeah. Like, uh, what i think now like for us to start off with uh do we everyone like for that's my opinion i think that there are some functions that are being carried out by different departments within everyone it's like uh should be with another department but it's with another department like i'll give an example like i'm looking after nlw but i also look after the distribution the entire network because I have all these data loggers and everything in there. That's within the distribution. But on from the mark, from our treatment plant, where you have all those big trunk mains coming down, it's a responsibility of another section where the net, network network section where they are supposed to monitor and they are not monitoring right now. So, and then our operations, the maintenance team, they are supposed to be repairing leaks on time and all this. So. It's like working in the NLW section, you can really see like what needs to be done. Like You have to repair it on time, you have to have a, you know, repair maintenance schedule, or you have to change this pipe, it's aging, aging or yeah. So, at the moment, what I think everyone should be doing from my own view. We don't have a, we don't have a like hydraulic uh, modeling, which I think we should have. I don't know if it's a correct way of doing things, but I think as a water utility, we should have hydraulic model for the system because of the, what is growing, like it's really fast in terms of development. So that's one of the issues where we we must have control of what's happening. We are not monitoring our trunk main properly so we don't know how the water is going and where the water is going so it's better to have all these probes installed to monitor flows so i think it all starts with getting the functions right and then we can all like if it's under one department or division then i think it can move on smoothly from there that's my view yeah
0: Understanding the resources is definitely going to be helping in terms of managing it. I can see that. Yeah. I'm wondering about um, opportunities to collaborate with other maybe agencies in the Pacific. If you think, I don't know, maybe the question is what's the call yeah. to action from this interview? It, if out of this interview <laughs> we could get some people oh. to involve and engage themselves with what, the challenges that you've discussed, what could they yes.
1: do? You see, like, that will be a good good approach because I see, like, we will learn learn from what others are doing. Maybe, like, I've been doing, I've been working with NRW here for 12 years. I'm trying to, like, educate myself by reading what I can see on the internet or see what others are doing. It's a bit difficult, but it will be good to connect within this uh, Pacific region and see how others are doing so I can learn. Maybe something they're doing which I'm doing, but maybe I'm not doing it right. So it will be really good to engage with others, to share our experience, and they can share this and tell us what they're doing. Mm-hmm. And I might be thinking I'm doing it right, and like this village and settlement idea, maybe some areas could, some Pacific nation could be dealing it, dealing with it differently. So it will mm-hmm. be interesting to know that.
0: Great. Well, Jonathan, thank you so much for, um, share, for really sharing the challenges that you're facing mm. because they're they're huge, huge challenges, and there's such a multitude of them and how they all intersect together. Um, it's just it's it's really tremendous, and I hope that this interview provides an opportunity for people to connect with you. and I hope that this interview provides an opportunity for people to connect. Keeney is an initiative of the Australian Water Partnership and the International Water Centre Alumni Network. Keeney connects water managers and shares knowledge throughout the Asia-Pacific. Visit our website at keeney.org.au for more information and for videos, articles, news and more.